This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And my traveling hiatus seems to be done for a while. Someone asked me where I was traveling. Oh, that cleared up, huh? The doctor gave the, me like the traveling visit. hiatus. Yes. yes. Yeah. I Good. gave me a salve. Good. And yeah, everything. A poultice. That's not what you would use for a traveling hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I mean, I just come on, saw Bill. You, let's be realistic. Saw you tying a black cockerel to the north side of the barn. I thought that was part of it. Well, I learned that in Cuba. Yeah. No, actually, so I think the last podcast we did, I had just come back from Cuba. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went to, did I go to Indiana Dunes next? And then I went to Hungary. Yeah. I, so things got a little insane. Just so, a bit. Just a bit. Just a bit. And then uh, I decided it would be fun to open two visitor centers with no staff. So, mm-hmm. but I'm back. That's a crazy thing to think. You shouldn't have done that. Well, blame the federal government. All right. Anyway, um, speaking of how crazy things were, uh, this migration this past spring was off the hook, yo. Uh, and I, just everything was weird and late. Like, I felt like all the bird festivals people were going to, it's like, it's supposed to be this huge warbler migration, but there aren't any wor- birds here. I mean, at Indiana Dunes, I was working very hard to pull some warblers and tanagers sure. out of trees that just weren't there. But uh, there's there's been uh, some new birding podcasts that have come up. Okay. Uh, when we've talked about one, we've talked about the American Birding Association podcast. But there is also Out There with the Birds with uh, Bill Thompson III, a.k.a. BT3, uh-huh. uh, of Birdwatcher's Digest yep. fame. Uh, and Ben Lisdis. Uh, who's also working with him. Perhaps you have met him at many a bird feet festival, either as... <laughs> you were going to say bird feeder, weren't you? I almost did say, you have met him at many What's a bird feeder. What's doing out there? You know, he hangs upside down. He's picking out all the millet. <laughs> He's always hogging the suet. That's what's really annoying. A jerk. I know. Anyway, Ben's not a jerk. Ben's actually a really nice guy. Actually, I'm looking at this picture of Ben, and I just realized Ben and I have the same sweater. <laughs> The exact same sweater. Wow. In the photo or? No, no. He's wearing a, a green zip up sweater that I've got. Okay. Anyway, anywho, Ben's a nice guy. Knowledgeable okay. guy. Good guy to go out with. Uh, but he and Bill Thompson have uh, a podcast and it's called Out There with the Birds. You should listen to it. Okay. But they have a special episode on spring migration and they talk with Greg Neese uh, from the American Birding Association and David LaPuma. La Puma. La Puma. Cape May Bird Observatory. La Tigra. La Tigra. No, La Puma. Oh. Yeah. El Tigra is something else. All right. But uh, it's it's just interesting. It just kind of goes over the weather patterns that happened and how some things were late. And I mean, there was just a gigantic movement of birds that happened at the very end of May. I just hmm. remember opening radar one night and it was blooming like it was early May. And it was just all these birds that had been stuck and I'm like, screw it. Gotta go. Boom. <laughs> So they hopped on a bus. Yes, that's exactly what they Mm -hmm. did. So anyway, check out Out There with the Birds. And actually, since we're talking about Bill Thompson, and if you're talking about somebody and they have a spouse, you should probably talk about them. I don't know. (laughs) Actually, so this was just posted this morning. Julie Sikafus, who is uh, an artist, musician, writer. What I would aspire to be if I ever wanted to grow up is Julie Sikafus. I've said this before. I love mm-hmm. her writing. Uh, but she knew someone who had two Audubon prints mm-hmm. the, of the same bird. 
And it's an Arctic tern, and they're they're the actual Audubon ele- elephant folio, you know, like the big gigantic right. life size thing, the thing that Audubon sold, John James Audubon sold subscriptions to for his field guide. Sure. The things that are now kind of in public domain, and we can get copies of on note cards, shot glasses, underwear, sure. that kind of thing. Um, but like the actual original print. So yeah. this guy had a couple of them, and just they fade over time. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking about how faded the Arctic tern was, and he was like. Hey Julie, um, could you recolor this for me? And it's not like he's asking her to to color a print. No, it's like an actual elephant folio, a, a historic document. Do you remember when that woman decided she was going to fix the church's uh, <laughs> artwork? The weird Jesus. The weird, yes. <laughs> Uh, but I assume this turned out better because Julie is Julie. Julie is Julie. She's the only person I know with the talent and balls to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> when she first, she told him no. And he's like, well, look, I've got two. Yeah. And so, you know, if you really mess it up, there's a second one. But the other thing is like, it can't look any worse than it does now. So she goes through her process of what uh-huh. she did of like painting on That's this and, and talks about the stress of it. But it is a fascinating read sure. well what we're talking about like that's art restoration that's what you do with I yeah mean, that's what people do when but that's yeah that's cool that's yeah. but at the same time you know and she also notates on there's like uh-huh. restoration happened by julie sick of uh-huh. in 2017 i was just like if this and i don't think it ever will but uh-huh. like if this ended up in like some you know thrift store somewhere yeah, right. this would be the kind of thing that i would cream my jeans over it's like oh, bill look at this part. <laughs> oh you mean like when you found that uh the wilson the wilson in our laundry room and yes. i told you I don't think you'd be interested, but there's this weird bird print down there. I think what you should do, because you have begun painting, I think you should... Shh, don't tell anybody that. Uh, I think you should give. You should like look at this and, and try to do your interpretation of this. Then it would look like that terrible Jesus it restoration. Be, well, it couldn't be worse than Audubon's uh, illustration of the bird anatomy. I don't know. Not as like, I think you should do this as an exercise just to see what Go find an original Audubon no, elephant no, folio. No, no, no. I mean, you should try to paint this from... Paint what? From, like, you you can see what the illustration is, so try to, to do it yourself, if you see what I'm saying. No, I don't. Make your own, make a copy of the illustration, because you can see what the picture is okay. and paint it yourself. Well, okay, so I, I'm not very good at painting. I've always wanted to be. Sure. Uh, I took some classes in college in art, and I noticed when I was in college that if you do something every day, it's kind of like a second language. You actually right. get some skill at it. I will never be a Julie Sikafoos. I will never be a Catherine mm-hmm. Hamilton. But um, but what I enjoy about doing it is that sometimes photography is so instant. I think anyone mm-hmm. who takes pictures of birds or draws birds, sure. sometimes you see a bird, and even if it's for a fraction of a second, like I'm thinking of some common yellow throats I saw the other day, that that image kind of freeze frames in your mind, and it just kind of captures for you how beautiful that bird is, how amazing it looks with all the... It, I, I hate to use the word design because I don't want to mm-hmm. make it sound like intelligent design, but like common yellowthroat is a really cool bird. Oh no, and, I've said and, that before. Like the the common loon, that's a beautifully designed bird. I yeah, mean, it's just yeah, an amazing yeah. way that that it looks like something you would pay somebody a lot of yeah. money to design. But um, but so when I take a photo of something and I feel really great about that photo, I remember that moment. But sometimes it's so quick. And, like, when I read articles about Julie and how she does her process, or, like, when Catherine Hamilton will post on Facebook her process of watercolors, I envy that in a sense because they're spending time with it. And and it takes a long time. So it's kind of like, in the sense, like a jigsaw puzzle 
at least what a jigsaw puzzle is for me. I don't know if it is for them, but just taking the time to relive that moment and all of that detail. Well, Julie's described her painting process before, and I always found it fascinating. Mm-hmm. She's, I think she's described it as turning a page. Like, she starts at one side of the canvas and works her way. It's not like she paints the background first or she paints the bird first. She sort of, like, works But sometimes she right. does yeah, do well, that. Sometimes fun. she does. She was just talking, I think, was it about a Canada warbler and the, and the process of doing that. And she saved the bird for last because it was mm. going to be fun. But then oh, okay. also kind of went through the process of these plants and, mm-hmm. and how, oh, it looks kind of flat. I need to do something. Oh, sure. And it's just like, oh, that's fascinating. Well, and also, she also recently had a blog post about what Audubon means for her. Mm. And... If it's a choice for me between Alexander Wilson and Audubon, <laughs> I always gravitate towards Wilson because I just kind of find Audubon to be this kind mm-hmm. of like, he, he, well, not because his birds are, but I mean, right. Wilson labored to make his really as accurate as he could, but mm-hmm. and Julie points out, it's like, they're kind of flat and they're kind of boring. Yeah. But also Wilson was this tortured Scottish poet, and it's like, that's who I would have gravitated to was right. the depressive who, uh, uh, right. you know, would probably make a girl laugh here and there and was very artistically inclined gosh i just realized i'm not saying anything about you dear mm. <laughs> and audubon would be like yeah you're too flashy but uh boy if audubon says you're too flashy no i'm saying audubon is ah, too flashy but uh julie talks about the excitement and the dynamics of audubon and how mm. she sees audubon whereas i kind of look at him like and golly boy here we go here's some personal insight to me Personality-wise, I would be an Audubon in the sense that I know how to sell something, and maybe sure. it's not 100% accurate, but I know how to spin a good yarn and mm-hmm. make you have a good time. Really? So, And so maybe I see things in Audubon that I don't necessarily appreciate about myself. <laughs> oh, my God, this podcast has suddenly become a psychological evaluation. Anyway, I've said it's it before. It's all bef- been leading up to this. <laughs> I've said it before with this uh, with Julie Sikafoos. She's one of my favorite people to read, and it's a gift that we get her blog. And mm-hmm. just really... Just, just read this about the excitement of getting the chance to touch up uh, an Audubon folio. It's just, anyway, it's one of the best blog posts I've read in a couple weeks. Cool. Anyway. Anywho. Oh, speaking of uh, artists. Wow, I'm really hitting women hard this week. Wow. That was not intentional. There I go, uh, being somebody, a problematic feminist yeah, again. Somebody please take that clip out and remix it into a <laughs> song. Somebody's going to pull that quote out of context. Boy, I'm really hitting women hard this week. I'm tapping them. (laughs) Oh, Um, boy. And you know what my 13-year-old brain has just gone to? I I dread to guess. Andrew Dice Clay poems. Oh, sure. Let's uh, move quickly along. Moving on. Uh, So, speaking of uh, women we should highly respect, Mm -hmm. uh, Jane Yolen. Yes. Uh, Jane Yolen is partnering with uh, Cornell Lab of Ornithology mm-hmm. to do some really cool books. Jane Yolen is an author. Uh, many birders know her for Owl Moon. It's a kid's book. Uh, oh, yeah. We know Jane because uh, we were neighbors with her son. Well, and I know Jane because I grew up reading her books. Oh, I did like, not. Yeah. No. <laughs> Jack and Red, man. Love that book. What's that, bu- what's that about? Uh, wow, it's really complicated. Basically, there's a planet where uh, people train dragons to, to fight. Uh, and this young boy who is more, he's an indentured servant slash slave, and he steals a dragon egg so that he can raise this dragon to fight and, and win his freedom. Oh, that actually sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it was, well, as a young adult, I was a young adult when I was reading it. Okay. But uh, I've 
wrote a ton of her stuff. I love her writing. So when we met Jane's son and his wife, mm-hmm. uh, we met at a party, and so he, it was known that I, oh, as a matter of fact, at that party, I brought birds with me. I mm-hmm. That was the turkey vulture in the kitchen oh, incident. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, he um, was talking about how his dad was an ornithologist mm-hmm. and was like the authority on ring oozles. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, that's fascinating. It's like, you know, we talked a long time. As a matter of fact, I remember that story so much that when I was just with uh, Jesse Berry in Hungary talking mm-hmm. about uh, the her because she's kind of in charge of the Macaulay Library now, and I was like, I know somebody who contributed a lot of ring whistles, and she's like, who was it? And I, and I said, oh, you know, I mentioned his name. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, I know exactly who those recordings are and all this. <laughs> so um, anyway, then later on, you're like, yeah, and his mom is Jane Yolen. I'm like, who? And then you were telling me all this, and then you mm-hmm. told me Owl Moon. I was like, oh, I know that. We sold that at the Raptor Center. But anyway, she's she's a fantastic author, mm-hmm. and so she's ri- she's writing some more books. The first one is, that she did with Cornell was On Bird Hill, and it follows a boy and his dog on a walk as they discover a just-hatched bird nest. So if you're looking for some good books for kids, mm-hmm. this would be a great one. Uh, and then this past April, she and an illustrator worked on something called On Duck Pond, which captures the cacophony of a duck invasion in an otherwise quiet New England town. <laughs> Starring Henry Fonda. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so be sure to check that out. Check it out. Check, check, check it out. All right, what else did you got for me? Did I just really just reference Fergalicious? Fergalicious in 2017? Boy, how do you did. Fergalicious. You have got your finger on the pulse of 1997. <laughs> so actually, while we're talking about uh, Jesse Berry, mm-hmm. uh, I should mention that um, I think in the previous podcast, I mentioned that I got to hang out with uh, some of the team from eBird when I was in Austria mm-hmm. earlier this year. Yep. And and they were like, hey, you know what? We should uh, go to Liechtenstein so that way we can be the top eBirders there. <laughs> America's next top Liechtenstein birder. Liechtenstein, yeah. Lichtenstein. So we had that glory. Is that a Pokemon? It should be. Yes. So we had that glory. And then this week I got an email from someone, and I think, I can't remember if I'm pronouncing this correctly. It's either Isa mm-hmm. or Isa. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'm sorry. So it's like, I'm a birder from Minneapolis, and I've said hi to you a few times before. I just wanted to say thanks for inspiring me to bird in Liechtenstein during my recent trip to <laughs> Europe. It was absolutely worth it. The Principalities part of the Rhine was the best place that I came that I came across and to spend quality time watching common birds like yellow hammers, goldfinches, and white wagtails. I saw white-throated dippers, uh, most likely a nest site, near the Malbun, and a night heron as I was biking towards Bregan's. Plus, here's eBird. Uh, so she, she, you know, she's showing me, and then she's like, uh, yeah, sorry to take your group's number one place. <laughs> Smiley face, tongue out. Uh, cheers, and see you around, maybe. And so, uh, Sick transit, Gloria. So I love this. It's like, you know how it is? It's like when there's a birding spot reporter, yeah. and people are like, oh, 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 what's going on here? It's like, yeah, we started it. We made Liechtenstein a thing. I was watching some uh, PBS series, and it was sponsored by some travel company. And apparently they have uh, canals in Germany that used to be used for transit and maybe still are. But one of the things you can do is travel through Germany on like, the, it's like a luxury, I don't want to say cruise because you're on a you know boat on a river and a canal mm-hmm. and stuff. But you travel through Germany and you pass through, of course, all these old towns and castles and things like that. I thought that would be interesting for you to... To go and do that and bird and just sort of lazily float down the river. And... Well, you know, and I think that's like what they tried to, uh, it was funny, like when I was telling everyone that I was, I shouldn't say telling everyone, but mm-hmm. when I mentioned that, yeah, I'm not going to be at work next week because I'm going to Hungary. 
a lot of the volunteers that I work with at the Park Service are retired with some money, and they were mm-hmm. all like, are you going to Budapest? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to spend a few days in Budapest. And they're like, okay, so when we did the cruise, we did this, that, and the other. I'm like, yeah, I'm not taking a cruise. <laughs> and and so when we got there, and we could see the Danube, and you could see yeah. all the, the cruises. And, yeah. and when I got off the plane in Budapest, you know, there was mm-hmm. everybody waiting for the cruises. And like, yeah, the only birding I'm doing in Budapest is, and it was great. There was a dump near our hotel, not like a <laughs> not like a garbage dump, but right. like you know we've torn buildings down. Sure. And so Clay of the uh, Digiscoping with Clay and Sharon series uh, went there, and Jesse Berry from eBird. So we just kind of would wander over there, and it it was so much fun. And because we were doing that on the weekend, you know we were we were wandering all over in this dump mm-hmm. and just getting like really great sightings and then uh we had some extra time on a weekday before our flight we went in there and all of a sudden people started yelling at us in hungarian i was like yeah uh don't speak english or we don't speak hungarian and mm-hmm. the guy's still yelling and he walks over and i was like yeah uh, uh don't don't speak speak hungarian and no were you doing the american we do not speak no oh, no okay. i was just and so then i was like uh parlez-vous français <laughs> and then he went ah and then he was like, he asked if I spoke German, and yeah. was like, no. So somewhere between my French and his German, <laughs> yeah. we figured out that we were wandering into areas that they were going to bulldoze. Ah, and see. so we finally figured out, like through some German, uh-huh. uh, which sides we could bird on and which sides we couldn't. Sure. Um, but Hungary was fantastic. I, Budapest, I have to say, as far as European cities go, mm. it's gonna sound terrible. It's kind of a generic European city, and maybe it was just. Sure. As as far as like the downtown Budapest stuff that I was doing, it's like yeah, this mm-hmm. kind of looks like every other European city where you find the Abercrombie and Fitch and the really oh, old sure, buildings. Sure, sure. Prague was way more fun. Way I shouldn't say fun was more historic, had interesting architecture. Yeah. Same with uh, Salzburg, but the national parks in Hungary are spectacular. Oh, good. If you can get out of the city and get into some of the national parks, we went to a couple. One of them, <laughs> it's called Har Valley. Hey. <laughs> Spent some time at Horror Valley. Hey. Yeah. Um, that was fantastic. And yeah, it's it was it was wonderful. Uh, but they're more fun. I mean, if you're if you're someone who's into looking at towns and things like that, they're more interesting places. But <laughs> Okay. Uh, actually what's fascinating to me is that I have now been to Europe enough. One of the frustrating things that I have when I go to a new country is that a lot of my birding is by ear. So when I mm-hmm. go there, it's like I don't know what anything <laughs> is because I don't know any of these birds. Tucky, tucky. Pretty much, yeah. Ah. But now I get there and it's like, oh, that's a great tit, and that's a great tit, mm. and it's like, oh, that's a white throat. Oh, that, and so it's like, oh, I actually know the birds now. <laughs> I actually, I'm, I'm learning this. Awesome. Actually, Jessie Berry is kind of, is kind of, like. She's hooking me into something. So she went there with her little parabolic mic. Because the big mm-hmm. thing to do now with Cornell, it's not just uh, bird photos and video. Oh, mm. no. It's like adding sounds to the Macaulay Library. Oh, sure. And so I'm seeing her record things and all this. And it's like, I'm not a lister necessarily. But if there is a database that needs gaps of things <laughs> that are filled in, chip notes and whatnot, I'm like, that kind of looks fun. Maybe I'll ask Bill for some microphone stuff for my birthday because I don't have enough stuff to carry out in the field. Yeah, you don't look dorky enough. You need a parabolic microphone. You look cool with a parabolic microphone. People wonder what that is. They think you're a spy. You look badass. Right. You do. Have you ever seen a parabolic microphone? Yes, I have. Yeah, don't you look? Don't those people look cool? No, they don't. What? It's not like somebody with a metal detector. That person looks like a nerd. All right. <laughs> well, I'll keep that in mind. What else do you have for me? For Pride Month. Okay. 
Gay Dutch vulture dads hatch abandoned egg, adopt a chick in a zoo in Amsterdam. That sounds about right. This is the most Amsterdam thing to ever happen. So two male griffin vultures in a long-standing relationship, Mm -hmm. or let's just say pair bond, uh, have successfully hatched an abandoned egg at the Amsterdam Zoo. Uh, okay. The zoo said in a statement that keepers found an egg on the floor of the vulture aviary, and they initially put it in an incubator, but later placed it in the nest of the two male birds. <laughs> okay. Uh, the the males, which have been a couple for years, took turns sitting on the egg until it hatched, and now they are taking care of the chick and feeding it regurgitated food. Now, in terms of just male turkey, is that something that the bird does in a male-female couple where the, the male will incubate while the female... Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, gay pairings... I shouldn't say gay. Same-sex pairings... Homosexual of, pairings. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same-sex pairings of birds. This is nothing new. This right. is something that happens. Uh, I covered it a bit in A Thousand and One Secrets Every Birder Should Know. There are birds, especially ones that pair up for life. <laughs> a thrilling expose of the steamy side of bird watching. You know, I remember writing that that no. chapter, and I was like, is this going to be too much? Are they going to say no? And they were like, no, we love this. Bring it more. And I was like, I'm really glad because cool. same-sex pairings are a so thing. So how many, how many vultures does this zoo have? I don't know. And these, are, these aren't the turkey vultures. No, these griffin are the... vultures are fucking big. Like, yeah. how many griffin vultures do you have? They you just weigh... have an extra egg laying around. They Well, griffin vultures... I just saw them. Well, I've seen them in Israel, and I just saw them up close and personal. I'm actually working on a blog post for Spain. Ew. Ew. Uh, no, they weigh like a trumpeter swan. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when we were driving around one morning early in Spain, there was one perched on a stump really close right. to the road. And we didn't get out because we didn't want to disturb mm. it. But I was like, wow, it looked like it was almost as tall as me. I'm five No, foot. there's a reason why they're called griffin vultures, because they're big as a fucking horse. They are amazing. Yeah, and our guide was telling us, like, so did it spend the night here? He's like, oh, yeah, once the thermals go, it can't take off. <laughs> it, it has to stay there. And I was like, isn't it endangered? He's like, nothing around here is going to eat anything that big. <laughs> you know, it's going to attack anything. Cool. You know, they're, they're, but, uh, yeah, the, the birds really need the thermals to, to fly oh, sure, around, because sure. they're just that big. Yeah, it's, it's, that, it's a cool vulture to see. So, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I highly recommend uh, Extremadura, Spain to go go see that. Okay, oh, yeah, that's where you got that great uh, acorn meat. The yes, the Iberian ham. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> that's my entire experience of of your journey to Spain and the amazing birds you saw. Oh, you found that really good ham there that was fed on acorns. No, well, and that's kind of like when when I go give presentations and I talk about all the places. I talk about the amazing birds, and I usually talk about the weird. Or the amazing thing that I ate. Right. And the thing about extra Madura, you need to have the Iberian ham. If you're an omnivore like me, if you're vegetarian mm-hmm. or vegan, maybe avoid it. If you're veg- maybe, maybe avoid pork if you're a vegetarian <laughs> or vegan. Maybe. You might want to think about that. If you're vegetarian, you're going to love all the goat and sheep's cheese mm-hmm. there. Um, if you're a vegan, uh, they have lots of, they have lovely chickpea dishes there. But uh, and the other thing you should try, if you're all three of those and don't have an issue with alcohol, is the acorn liqueur. Mm-hmm. All right, so speaking of birders, uh, last year in North America, an Australian guy, John Weagle, uh, broke the North American big year. He obliterated. He saw 700. Oh, right. 749 species in North America. So yep. he is the new ABA record holder. Mm-hmm. So this year, he donated $36,700 to global wildlife conservation. Oh, wow. So this is this is kind of unprecedented. I mean, well, I shouldn't say unprecedented. There was that Dutch guy 
that uh, was doing the global big year, mm-hmm. and he was also doing a fundraiser for BirdLife International. Mm-hmm. But this was a guy like, yeah, I had an insane carbon footprint for what I did last year. Oh, that makes and sense. That's yeah, funny. yeah. So it said uh, he clocked an estimated 500,000 kilometers of air and car travel to spot his mm-hmm. 749 species of birds. So he managed to get... Thirty-six over thirty-six thousand dollars. He cool. donated of his own money, which I thought was really cool. That is pretty cool. All right, next story. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is really cool. So, it's been wondered about for years how cowbirds figure out that they're cowbirds. Okay. Oh and, yeah. Okay. And we've talked about this a mm-hmm. little bit. There's this whole theory of like, oh, after they fledge, or when mm-hmm. they start to fledge, they kind of go hang out with cowbirds in the evening and then go back to their family. Right. Well, now there's even more new research that's coming out. And they're talking about, uh, like, the way the cowbird's brain is wired. Mm -hmm. They need a password from other cowbirds. (laughs) It's a Manchurian candidate, said George. The Manchurian cowbird. Yes. Uh, There's your blog post title. I just gave that to you. There you go. Yeah, maybe I'll do that for outdoor news. Um, So when they started to figure this out, they it was like we they weren't so the scientist Hubert wasn't sure what it was. It could be a cowbird specific vo- vocalization, mm-hmm. a visual clue, or behavior that, when heard or seen by a young cowbird, allows them to identify their fellows. Okay. So in his hunt for the password, Huber first looked for possible visual signs in their plumage, but soon realized that cowbird, as young as five days old, responded to a vocalization that, if you have an app, you know what this is, is mm-hmm. the chatter call of the cowbird. And I'm going to play it here. You just activated all the cowbirds that listen to this podcast. <laughs> so you have heard that in your yard. That is the mm-hmm. vocalization that a cowbird makes. Sure. The sound is produced primarily by female cowbirds, both as a territorial display and in response to male songs that they think are sexy. Boy, you know this is an Audubon article if that is the quote. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's fascinating. So if you think, you know, some of the things that we've learned about female cowbirds is that they keep track of the nest where they deposit their eggs. Okay. And if, you know, somebody removes the cowbird egg, mm-hmm. whether it's a human or the warbler mm-hmm. or whoever is raising it, they'll go through and destroy the eggs to get the warbler to build another nest um. and lay eggs in there. So you have that. And you have the female cowbird just kind of lurking around doing this chatter call. So, like, activating all the little Manchurian candidates. Crazy. And I know. Birds are amazing. That's some crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy shit goes down. All right. I think... Oh my God! Did I go through all the news? I did. I'm sorry. I wasn't. It wasn't. The news wasn't particularly depressing. There wasn't. There wasn't a lot of news that I could get annoyed at this time. So maybe that's what slowed. It, that's what sped us up here. Did I break you or something? No. It's just like this is just interesting news. It wasn't like people have decided that bald eagles should be green and in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> I referenced Topeka, Kansas like three times. I'm sorry on my other podcast. It's just like, but Wait, and no, what is your other podcast? Uh, I do a podcast called Aging Poorly with my good friend Sam Landman, where we take a critical look at our childhood loves. But um, And just to let you know how legit this is, I was at a meeting at the Science Museum of Minnesota one day, <laughs> and there was a new staffer there, and I was introduced as Steitler. And after the meeting, the mm. new staffer came up to me and was like, are you any relation to Bill Steitler? And I said, that's my husband. Oh, my God. I love aging poorly. I follow him well, on Twitter. I, and I was I like, whoa. told you someone on the uh, the image site that I use, uh, I posted a photo of Dougal. And he's like, is that Bird Chicks Dougal? And I said, well, it's my Our Dougal. Dougal. Well, yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> my rabbit. I was just like... He's my rabbit. And this person who, like, lives, I think, in Michigan just coincidentally was on the site. And I was like, oh, wow, that's weird. It's like, you didn't put together... 
Oh, is that person? Wait, she's married to you? Yeah. It still reminds me of that time, like, you were in a show, and afterwards I was waiting for you, and one of the other actors oh, was sure. chatting me up, and I was like, oh, who are you here for? I was like, I'm, I'm Bill Steitler's wife. You're his wife? But you look so normal. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had a few choice words for him. Anywho. Um... Yeah, so that's what's going on. And well, I'm, you're back now, so we'll do some more regular podcasts. Well, we will do I'll some more podcasts. To... If you are really desperate for birding podcasts, you should check out Out There with the Birds. <laughs> do you realize what you just said? That's not what I meant. <laughs> that's so not what I meant. I just wanted to say that I'm just relishing the fact now that there are multiple bird podcasts besides this one there's out there with no the birds. i think we should start a war i think we should start like a uh, a blog of uh, a podcast war with them we should like trash talk them like uh, fred allen and jack benny dad where they just like i think we can get away with that with the american birding association sure. podcast i am quite certain that greg niece and i could yeah. start to throw down okay and it would be mm-hmm. great i i I don't the know best if Bill part, would do that. The best part, and I like, forgive me for suddenly being 80 years old, the best part about uh, the Jack Benny, uh, Fred Allen feud, which mm-hmm. they were actually very good friends, they did it as a joke, is that they would do each other's show. So, like, Jack Benny would, like, would, like, impersonate Fred Allen and, like, do his entire show instead of doing his show. It was fantastic. I would so, absolutely love if to you do, wanna a- do If you want to do impression of... Of Bill Tom, I don't, it's been a while since I've actually heard Bill speak. I can't, I can't do an impression of. No, 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 no. If we did that, no. We okay. So here's the thing with these new podcasts mm-hmm. that are coming out. They're actually taking time to edit. Oh, boo! Forget that noise. They're actually like adding sound boo. cues. Boo! Boo! We could really. Uh, I I have some ideas on how boo. to parody uh, out there with the birds, right. and, and and I think okay. they would find it humorous. We'll throw it down. And and actually, I think I know Nate. I feel like if, there, if we were going to start a war with anybody, mm-hmm. we we could totally do it with the AVA podcast. And yeah, we could we could definitely see they do could it easily there. make fun of us just by making a lot of noise in the background, like from their podcast. And then also, how do you know about <laughs> this new like, story? Just be opening a beer like every three seconds. Oh, everybody knows you and I don't drink beer. I mean, I'm drinking a beer right now. Thank you very much. Oh my goodness! But I mean, no, it's it's no when 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 I was in Cuba. I didn't expect to find Jameson there. It is mm-hmm. something you find, but sure. but but it was found at a hotel, and it was discovered by someone on the tour before mm-hmm. I discovered it. And so as soon as they came out, mm-hmm. Sue was like, "I bought you a Jameson because they have Jameson here, and you need to have Jameson." <laughs> I was like, "I'm not sure if I like being known for a liquor that much, but I love I love that that it gets me sweet." Yeah. So. Oh, and I do want to talk about something. Uh, I. I'm kicking around the idea of starting something with birding by ear because I, 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 I did a birding by ear class for the first time the other mm-hmm. day. And up until about a year ago, I knew I was pretty good at bird calls, but I didn't think I was spectacular at mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I, because I know so many people who are better at things than I am, I, I just I feel like I don't know that much. But so last year I was uh, helping someone sound design something and and one of the things that happened was they, they said, okay, let me know how this sound is. And, and I said, well, what time of year is it supposed to be? And it's like, well, summer. And so I listened to the bird cacophony that they had and noted all the species. And I said, well, here's the thing. This is the sort of soundscape that I would expect in this area of Minnesota in late May Mm -hmm. but if we wanted to say it was like June and call that summer I would be okay with that and and the person that edited the video just stared at me and they said 
I recorded this Memorial Day weekend. How did you know that was late May? And I was like, well, I just know when these birds arrive and when these birds, you know, it was like, okay, these breeding birds would be here. And so uh, the University of Minnesota has started asking me to do these immersion courses. And I did one of something that's in my wheelhouse. And then the other day I did uh, a birding by ear class, which I was really nervous about because I was like, how do I translate in my brain Mm -hmm. how I learn bird calls? And a lot of it is just repetition. And so I specifically targeted it to june when there wouldn't be migrants it would just be the breeding birds mm-hmm. and we would just hear them over and over again and people really liked it and and seemed to understand what i was doing and i was like oh this is something i could turn into a podcast Sweet. so anywho anywho anyway um birding by ear with sharon Steitler. okay speaking oh fudge sickles yeah speaking of a podcast uh-huh. that i should mention Lang freaking Elliot. Lang Elliot, who Bill was just doing an impersonation of. Lang Elliot's World of Birds. Boy, he's in my birder list of five. Anyway, Lang Elliot. Uh, <laughs> Lang Elliot uh, has the uh, Music of Nature website. Mm-hmm. Is that what that's called? Anyway, Lang Elliot, if you ever owned a birding CD, chances are good he narrated it. Right. Uh, really great at at bird sounds and soundscapes he has started a podcast because what lang likes to do during migration is travel a country and record birds and when he has the way to do it he tries to share it so he's recording these soundscapes and describing the sounds that he's hearing and making it a podcast so you should uh check out his website i will put up a link you should subscribe to his podcast okay and you should listen. Music of Nature. Musicofnature.com. You can listen to all his soundscapes there, but his podcast is uh, another really great podcast for learning sounds. Cool. Anyway. And anything else? No, I, that was an accidental ad. Excellent. Uh, this is Bird Chick Podcast number 223. If you have any questions for Sharon, you can hit her up on Twitter. She is at Bird Chick. You can email her, Sharon, at birdchick.com. You can find her on the Faces book. And Instagram. Let me just say, because... Of the political climate we are in these days, I am not spending as much time on Twitter these days because Twitter is so angry. Sure. So for my own mental health, I am not on Twitter like I used to be. If you really have a question for me Mm -hmm. or you really want to get hold of me, the most timely way to get hold of me is Sharon at BirdChick.com. That is the best way to do it. All right. Uh, We will be back soon. I hope you have a pleasant time. Ta-ta.